What is popping, guys? Today, we are going to be discussing the story Marigolds. My name's Jack Rellinger. My name is Erickson Kunzler. We're both ninth graders at Catholic Central High School. Um, Marigolds, I don't know how I feel about it. I enjoyed it a little bit, but I couldn't really relate to it that much. What yeah, do you think, Eric? I felt the same way. I didn't really have personal experiences to go with it, but I thought the story was eye-opening in a way because you could see how people don't have hope in their lives all the time when we live in a place where we feel like a lot of people do have hope. I also liked the way that um, Marigolds talked about memories and how it was like an abstract painting. That that kind of was cool, that analogy. So we're going to be looking through this story with the thematic lens of losing hope. I actually have a story that I read online about losing hope and really? how the loss of hope can lead to bad decisions. Um, Roy Raymond, he was the founder of Victoria's Secret. He founded it in 1977. And in 1977, he thought it was a great business. It started, it started taking off. He made a bunch of money. Then he ended up selling it for $4 million, which seemed like a good deal at the time. But then a few years later, the new owners made it worth billions. And Roy Raymond found out about this, and he was so depressed that he ended up taking his own life. He lost all hope. And taking your own life, I feel like that's the ultimate sign of losing hope. You feel so lost, you just can't go on anymore. Yeah, I agree. And I think Roy shows us that Fighting even when we've lost hope can pay off sooner than you think because if he would have kept fighting and if he would have kept running the business, he could have made billions of dollars, but he decided to give up. Yeah, I agree. All right, guys, now we're going to have a little bit of a competition. Jack and I are going to give a 30-second summary on the story, and don't forget to leave a comment below on who you thought did better, and don't forget to like and subscribe. All right, Jack, would you like to go first? I would. All right, Eric, here's the timer. All right, ready? let's get started. Three, two, one, go. All right, so there's this girl named Elizabeth. Uh, she's old now, but she used to be young. She was 14 at the time of the story. She has a little brother named Joey. They are bored on a summer day, so they go to Miss Lottie's yard. Miss Lottie was like this old hag. She lived in the neighborhood. She she was uh, she was old. Um, they're, they see marigolds. They don't like the marigolds. They they throw stuff at the marigolds. Do take the owl on her. They they run away. She's sad. She's ashamed. She goes to stores the marigolds. Comes of age. Becomes less innocent. And she's good. Okay. All right. That was pretty good. I don't think it was that good, but we'll see how you do. I don't think you'll <laughs> do right. as well. All right, Eric. Let's see how you do now. All, All right. right. Thank you. Three, two, one, go. So there's this old girl named Elizabeth. She's looking back at her past, and she's remembering a time of dust, she describes it. She's living in the Great Depression. Her friends and I... Her friends and her go out one day. They're looking for something to do because they feel like they've already done everything. They have the idea to go mess with Miss Lottie, who's this old woman in town. And then they go, they destroy all her flowers. Elizabeth realizes what she's done. She becomes a woman through that. And so the reason that she did all that was because she saw her father crying and she needed to take all of her anger out on something. And that's it. All right. <laughs> okay. I agree. <laughs> well, those were some good 30-second summaries, I'd say, Eric. I agree. All right, so now we're going to switch up the podcast a little bit. We're going to do, uh, we're going to analyze parts of the story that we chose, four, actually four quotations from the story, and we're going to say how it relates to our thematic lens of losing hope, and let's just right, get, get right into it. Yeah, right. so I have a quotation, actually, and I'll just, I'll just read it. So the quote is, poverty was the cage in which we were all trapped, and our hatred is still, our hatred of it was still vague. <laughs> Poverty was the cage in which we were all trapped, and our hatred of it was still the vague, undirected restlessness of the zoo-bred flamingo who knows that nature created him to fly free. So, 
I'm going to analyze this quote now. So, I think this relates to our theme because they felt that there was no way to escape their poverty. They know that they were created to fly free like the zoo-bred flamingo, but they're they're trapped in this poverty and they feel like they just there's no way out of it. Yeah, and I think the way it describes poverty is a cage. It makes me think of like the of a prison and how people in prison, I've seen like in shows I've watched and books I've read, they're always it's the hopelessness is so huge and that's what I feel like their poverty feels like to them. Yeah, and I think that it's such a cage to them that they don't even try to fly free. They don't try to be that flamingo flying free. They just, they simply know they're supposed to, but they don't even try to escape it. Yeah, like, when she says the word trapped, she feels she can do nothing to escape it. Like, that she just will stay in there as long as she needs to until some kind of miracle happens, like I says earlier in the story. Yeah, I agree. So the second quote that I have from the story is, the idleness whose prospect had seemed so beautiful during the busy days of spring now had degenerated to an almost desperate effort to fill up the empty midday hours. So this shows how their days are empty and deprived of hope. They feel like there's literally just nothing to do. And it's not it's not just simply the boredom of having nothing to do. It's They literally feel like there's nothing in their lives that they could possibly do to get hope or to have fun. So they have to go to literally messing with an old woman because they just feel like there's nothing else that they could possibly do. It's almost like they feel like what they do in their day doesn't even matter because they feel so like separated from the world and like they've lost that hope of being something more that they feel like what they do in their empty days doesn't even matter. It's like a it's kind of like a childlike version of losing hope when you are so bored that that there's just that you can I think we can all relate to that hopelessness of sheer boredom yeah and i think going back to that childhood i don't think there always used to be this deprivation of hope i think they used to have hope in their time i think there used to be um a time of beauty and hope but now they're just desperately looking for their lives and they couldn't find it yeah i agree i have a third quotation that we are now going to analyze and it's uh anna what's her name elizabeth it's it's elizabeth's dad speaking he goes he goes, damn Mr. Ellis's coat, and damn his money. You think I want white folks' leavings? Damn, Maybell. And suddenly he sobbed, loudly and painfully, and cried hopelessly in the dark night. And this is a powerful quote because I've never se- personally seen either of my parents give up hope, but I can imagine how almost scary it is for Elizabeth to see her dad, who is like a strong rock, and would, like, as in, like, relating to my parents, my parents, like, always know exactly what to do in, like, times of distress. And so I can't imagine how scary it is and, like, a loss of hope, like, in Elizabeth, too, seeing her dad totally give up like that. Yeah, and I think it shows specifically to Mr. Ellis that he's so fed up with having to accept leavings from other people and he feel like he can't provide for his own family because, well, he, he actually can't. He can't get money for his family to buy food. He can't provide for his family. So he feels that he's just hopeless with actually providing with his family. He doesn't even, it's not a selfishness that he can't provide with himself, but he feels so hopeless because he can't give to his family what they need. And when it says hopelessly describing the way he cried, that just, I can like hear a hopeless cry and it's the saddest thing in the world. And like this is that this quote is the moment when her dad seems to totally give up, and that's when Elizabeth kind of breaks too, as you'll see like in the next quote that we're gonna al- analyze. Yeah, I think the um, 
her father giving up hope, it was, um, it transferred right to her because she gave up hope and she went to go smash all of the, the Miss Lottie's flowers, which was something that was beautiful in this time of depression. So that really went back straight to her from her father. I agree. All right, I have our fourth and final quote for us to analyze, and it goes, I had indeed lost my mind, for all the smoldering emotions for that of that summer swelled in me and burst. The great need for my mother, who was never there, the hopelessness of our poverty and degradation, the bewilderment of not being neither child nor woman, and yet both at once, the fear unleashed by my father's tears. And this quote, it seems to be the point in which Elizabeth's situation is made, like, clear to her. Like, she realizes that her family, they're black and they're in poverty. And this is like, this was a long time ago, almost the Great Depression. And she she realizes she has almost no chance of ever being something. And she, she must have lost all hope. It must have been a huge loss of hope for her. Yeah, this is really like a defined point where it shows all those feelings that have been building up in her. They all blow up at once. And she says it was unleashed by her father's tears. That shows how his losing hope also translated to her and she just had all that emotion blow up at once and she lost her hope as well yeah it's also like her coming of age kind of thing when she's like all her emotions kind of burst like and she also describes it later in the story as like losing her innocence like one cannot be compassionate and innocent at the same time and it's like a turning point in her life and the story i feel like i agree all right guys we're gonna switch up the podcast now we're gonna choose a quote and do a four-tiered analysis on that quote so the four types of analysis that we're going to do is what is literally going on in the quote, what is the figurative meaning of the quote, and then we're going to reflect on the quote, and we're going to um, answer what we think that quote calls us to do in our lives. So the quote that we're going to do this analysis on is, I don't know what it was we were waiting for, certainly not the prosperity that was just around the corner, for those were white folks' words, which we never believed. All right, so tier one, what's literally going on here? I thought that this quote showed Elizabeth being kind of sarcastic, and she's saying that prosperity was just around the corner, air quotes, because she doesn't actually believe that. She, this also shows her and her family's uh, like distrust of white people's words, how they could be deceiving or like not always leading them on the right path. Yeah, I agree. So the second tier of our four-tier analysis is what is the figurative meaning of the sentence? So I believe that this sentence shows the general mistrust that black people have to white people in this time period and the little hope that exists for the people who have lived without prosperity. So this means that they, they basically don't feel like there's any way to get out of their situation and they've given up on working hard to bring them from that situation. And yeah, I feel like when you say that they've been they've not prosperous for so long, right before that, Elizabeth says that the black workers of rural Maryland had always been depressed. And that reminds me that, like, there's always been, like, segregation and and racism that have made it harder for black people to s- succeed in this time. I agree. The tier three part of our analysis is reflecting personally on the sentence and what does it mean to myself. And this sentence reminds me of the times that I've given up. And it reminds me of the times when a person that I admire like my parents or or someone that holds a lot of like I respect I respect them they don't believe I can do something which isn't often but it makes me give up so much hope it makes me it makes me like 
really not think I can do that thing if someone that I trust and respect don't doesn't think that I can do it. And it also um, makes me think of the, how I mistrust some people in my life, like my enemies or the people I don't like a lot. And I couldn't possibly trust them, even if they have been promising good things or promising some, this and that. I couldn't possibly trust them with anything. Yeah, so to me, this sentence reminds me that I always should be grateful for what I have because not everybody is put in a certain situation where their hard work will pay off. For me, I think I'm put in a situation where putting hard work forward will bring me to certain places in my life, but for other people, they can work just as hard and they won't get anywhere. So I think to me, this reminds me that I should be grateful for what I have, for the hope that's in my life, because not everybody has that hope in their life and not everybody can be put in a situation where hard work will pay off. It's interesting and think about it like that. I agree. Thank you. The last tier of our four tiered analysis is what does a sentence call you personally to do? So for me this calls me to do two things. The first thing is to be thankful for the hope that I have in my life and then the second thing is to actually use it. So again not everyone is put in a situation where their hard work will pay off in a way that will better the world. But for me, I think I am put in a situation where I can use this hope and my situation to better the world for the people who actually can't better the world for themselves. And what you're saying about that hope that you have, I I think that this reminds me and other people that sometimes it's okay to hope. Like sometimes you're like, oh no, I don't want to hope because I don't want to get disappointed or something like that. But it's okay to have hope. It's healthy. It's normal. And uh, yeah, you want the prosperity that's just around the corner. And if you hope for it, that gets you that much closer to achieving it. Yeah, I agree. All right, we're nearing the end of our podcast, and now we would like to do something special to end it and offer up a blessing for a character that each of us chose that we feel needs some kind of encouragement in their lives. So I'll go first. Um, I chose Miss Lottie, and I feel that she needs a blessing because Elizabeth destroys her one source of hope and happiness and afterwards, she's so distraught that she never plants marigolds again. Elizabeth tells us that. <clears throat> and I also want to bless the people who lose what gives them hope and happiness like Miss Lottie does. And that they can find a way to plant a seed of light in their lives again. Yeah, so the person that I want to bless would be Elizabeth's father because he feels like he's completely hopeless and that he can't provide for his family. So I want him to, I want to send up a blessing to him so that he knows that even though it's hard right now and he's not finding a way to provide for his family, there's still hope for them and he needs to just keep working hard. Well, all right. That is the end of our podcast. Let me know in the comments if you want uh, more like this, maybe more Marigolds. I don't know. We could do different quotes or something. Or let us know if you want us to do a different book. We're always available. Jack and Eric, signing off. Peace.